It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hey, Chicago, what do you say? This is the CHGO Cubs podcast. And guys, the good news is the vibes are once again good and that Nico Horner saved the season. Where were you when Nico Horner saved the season, guys? At the oh, game. crazy in my room. <laughs> <laughs> Corey was at the game. I was at home. And Kevin was also at home. We were all at home except for Corey. That's, uh, yeah, Nico Horner. I, wasn't, I wish it would have been a go-ahead Grand Slam. Would have been even better, but... Uh, Nico Horner grand slam in the eighth inning to basically give the Cubs an easy win. At least when you look at it in the box score, it was actually a lot closer than that, but he put the Cubs, um, and, you know, gave them the eight to three lead there in the eighth inning. Uh, huge game for Mike Talkman tonight. Jan Gomes with the sack fly on his birthday. Uh, Kyle Hendricks uh, continues to be Kyle Hendricks uh, all around. Great, great game from everyone tonight, even though there were some frustrations in there because it's the Nationals and you just assume they should go in there and, you know, blow them out in a way like they did last night. But a win is a win. And the Cubs remain seven and a half back in the NL Central uh, with the Brewers winning tonight. So technically buying or selling, we can we get to converse about it for another 24 hours, guys. How does that make you feel? Yeah, I mean, I think. What they're going to do, I mean, I don't know how much any of this is really changing it. Uh, Reds and Milwaukee win today, so they're still, you know, a pretty hefty amount back in the standings. But if you're going to make the conversation interesting, as we said, kind of going into this, you got to beat these teams. You know, you're under 500, but so is everybody you're playing coming up. So you have to take care of business here, or obviously the conversation is switching to selling. So, you know, this was a frustrating one for several innings because it was pretty close. Um, you kind of like most of the games against the Nationals to not be so close. But there was also a lot in this game that I'm sure we'll we'll talk about that, you know, whether you're focused on this deadline or the 2023 season was just nice to see, right? Like Nico Horner has been in a real funk. So seeing him hit that grand slam feels really good. Seiya Suzuki has you know, had been in a funk, but he's had a nice, you know, series and and looks to be feeling a little better at the plate as of late. Um, so those things I think are good, regardless of, you know, the kind of bigger conversation that we're all waiting for. Absolutely. And Gary right there with the comment, um, good start, but let's be realistic here. Um, he's right. I mean, gutting out two wins against the Nationals, the wins are wins. You never complain about winning in, in any professional league, obviously. And it's great to, you know, score 17 runs on a bad team. That's what you're supposed to do against bad teams. But 
let's be honest, the Cardinals are 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. They're right on your heels again. The Brewers keep winning. They're 10 games over 500. The Reds have been in a funk, but they won tonight. Taking advantage of these games is what they need to do. So while we can be thrilled, obviously, yeah, thrilled for Horner tonight. I mean, just a guy, you could hear it in his voice when, he, when he's done some radio hits and things like that over the last couple of weeks. He's been going through it. Um, Kyle Hendricks is steady as a rock as he always is. You could be happy for these guys in this respect, but I think I think we know what's ahead of them still, and we, we can't get too far ahead right now. And it's Cardinals coming into town. You need a series win. Okay. Plain and simple. Let's just be – like, just let me say that part of basically everything I just said was a little bit of sarcasm, guys. Come on. Just let me enjoy it. All right? <laughs> oh, hey, yeah. I, I forgot to say, uh, Corey underscore Cubs and uh, Cody underscore CHO and Kevin, I always forget your Twitter handle. Was it Kevin 15 Wells? 15 Kevin. I don't know why it's 15 15 Kevin. I I don't know. Either way. It's a generic name. You can follow us all on Twitter. Make sure you're doing that. If you uh, are first time tuning in, hit the like button. I see a lot of comments in the chat. Cody Cody is, uh, they won that game against the Nats tonight. So Cody is ready to trade PCA for immediate 2023 help. Is that what you're saying, Cody? Sources might say. (laughs) Sources might say. I Listen, I'm with you guys. Like two days ago, I said I I was waving the white flag. I'm done. Like I, I said in the Twitter space that I did, after they lost Monday night because we didn't have a show that they needed to sweep the Nationals for them to real to realistically in my eyes have a real shot to maybe buy here before the trade deadline and they lost game one of the series great they won the after after they lost I was like okay if if and you know baseball's weird things are crazy whatever I said they'd have to win the next two, and then they'd have to sweep the Cardinals. I have no faith at all that they're going to sweep this Cardinals team that's 8-2 and two in their last 10 and just swept the Marlins and avoided the Sandy Alcantara revenge game today. Like, just bury me six feet under with that thought. But I'm living in the moment currently. It is well, nice I mean, to see I- them win today. And see guys like Nico and Saya play well because they just haven't been playing well. And Kyle Hendricks coming out and pitching a good game after having a bad start. And, you know, so I I, I am being realistic, um, but it's just part of my DNA. It's, it's hard to not, like, get excited after. Well, and I, I think that, you know, ultimately, like, that's where we are, right? Like, I think a lot of people have made their conclusion on this team and who they are. And I generally think we've talked a lot about they kind of are who they are, right? They look... Uh, you know, things come together and they look like the team we maybe hoped they could be for little spurts of time. And then they look like the worst version of what we feared they could be uh, for weeks at a time. And so I don't know. I don't think that's really changed. But because of the dialogue we're getting from the organization, because of the situation, all we can really do is take it day by day. So yeah, like the Nationals stink. You have to be beating them. We said that when this stretch started. But It's a nice game last night and a nice game tonight. You see what happens tomorrow, right? Like ultimately the decision to buy or sell is not one that you or me or any of us will be making. So, you know, you take it day by day. Um, Again, like I I think for pretty much this whole season, they've been exactly who a lot of us thought they were, uh, which is a team that's going to hover around the 500 margin, give or take, probably five or so games, you know, over the course of 162 games. And, you know, 
for this stretch, obviously, you know, we've seen the kind of lesser version of that than we would have hoped. But again, you take it day by day and see if they can play well against the Cardinals and then it's up to Jed. So, uh, you know, and obviously we don't know what kind of phone calls they're getting and, you know, what the kind of offers are for the players that they would even like to trade if they're going to be sellers. So you just never know how this stuff is going to play out. And yeah, that's why I kind of am really focused on getting Nico right, getting Saya right, because like those are long-term pieces. Like you want to see that stuff start to look better regardless of what these next couple weeks are going to bring. And also, you know, it's the Nationals, but that was a vintage Kyle Hendricks start. Um, just a bunch of weak, poor contact all over the field, a bunch of soft ground balls to, um, you know, Nico and Miles Masturboni over on the left side tonight. That's also good to see. You know, there was a lot of chatter about potentially this, you know, is this his last start? Is at Wrigley as a Cub? Like, would they trade him if they are sellers? Like, who knows, right? Like, I don't I don't know. So, you know, that was part of the reason that I wanted to be there tonight and always happy to watch a, you know, sort of vintage lecture from the professor. Did you yeah, see absolutely. this change up tonight? Oh, my goodness. I know you were sitting kind of up the right side, so you maybe didn't get to see all the movement, maybe on some of the uh, reviews and things. But, Cody, I, his change up tonight was as good as it's been in several years. Some of the movement mm-hmm. he was getting, the horizontal movement, especially – to those left-handed bats, the breaking away off the side of the zone was just filthy tonight. He had a couple swords in there. Wouldn't I, I don't know if he made Pitching Ninja or not, but I wouldn't be surprised. A couple of those ugly swings that he got uh, against some of those Nationals hitters. It really it really is just – Kyle Hendricks is an all-timer for all of us. Yeah. And I think watching him succeed just is always going to, you know – make even a poor game happy for us even though you know this is a game they should have had it's always going to add that little extra oomph to a game no matter what because he's he's a legend and he's a fan favorite and one of the best pitchers we've seen as cubs Mm -hmm. fans in in our lifetime so uh yeah if it's the last ride for him i hope it's not at wrigley we'll see his value is really high so i i think any contender would want him this is a guy with postseason experience as we all know too well i really hope it's not but if it is yeah what a way to go out yeah. Um, reading the chat, Barb, yes, we are live. One. Uh, two, no beer bat because I banned it until after the trade deadline because this team doesn't deserve a beer bat celebration because we're selling. Um, and uh, we aren't in studio because we were scheduled to be home today. We were actually supposed to be in studio yesterday, but no one was available to to do the show with me. So I asked Braggs and he's in Indiana. So we did it remotely because Jake said that we could. So that to answer everyone's questions in the chat, that those are the, the three answers I got for you. Uh, we got a super chat from Mariano uh, 499. You can still be soft buyers, maybe add a lefty reliever or third baseman. DFA Barnhart and let Amaya play. Ross has a serious problem making a lineup. Um, it just depends on what you mean by soft buyer. I think if the team actually buys, and this is coming from an interesting article that I read over at Bleacher Nation today, like if they bought for the future, like if they were able to trade some of their prospects for a guy who has a year or two of control, I think like the easiest one to like point out is Juan Soto, but I don't think the the Padres are going to be trading him anyway. Um, but like someone like that who has an extra year of control that you can 
you know, play the rest of the year and then, you know, go into 2024 with him, maybe whoever it is, whether it's at third base or, 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 you know, at first base, whatever. I think I I honestly wouldn't be upset with something like that because at least that's something for the future. And it's, we're not talking about an unproven prospect who you just don't know what you're really going to get out of at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Like, if you want to call that buying or soft buying, that's that's something that would completely change my tone on how the rest of the season goes or, you know, how I feel about selling. Because everyone knows that I hate the idea that we're going to be selling. I understand why we're going to be selling. It's the right baseball decision, considering they're seven and a half back right now with less than what? We have 11 games left before the trade deadline, I understand it. And it makes like, it makes perfect baseball sense. But the idea that we're going to be selling three straight deadlines after being told it, it was that it wasn't going to be a rebuild is just unacceptable and makes me irrationally furious. So, but if you were to, if they were to do something like that, though, I could get on board and I would give Jed a little bit of slack. Yeah. I, I think, uh, that's what I mean when I've talked about soft buying, right? Like I think um, sometimes people hear that and they kind of think that we're hope, you know, thinking they might add rentals to try to win in 2023. I don't, I don't really envision a scenario where that ha- if they get on a real heater, right, and they cut that division lead like right before the deadline, maybe. But I, I think even in the best scenario, it's exactly what you said, Cody. If they're doing any buying, which I think they should be, regardless of whether they sell a guy like Bellinger or Stroman or whatever, bring in assets that can help you in the future. Um, you know, I, I, I think I've I've seen a, a friend of the chat, uh, Jeff Everson, mention someone like Brandon Drury, right, who's playing in Anaheim. If they decide to sell, he's not a free agent until 2025. He's been good. You know, he can play multiple positions for you. He's, you know, like a 120-something WRC plus guy. Might not take much to get something like that. And he would be able to help this team if that's something you're interested in. But he's also improving your depth as you go forward into next year, right? So I don't think anybody, even if they do go on a heater, is thinking, thinking that they're going to trade good prospects for like three months of a reliever, right? That's not not smart, just given how this team has played, even if they are able to close the gap in a bad division. Uh, But I think when I'm talking about soft buying, it's can you improve the outlook for beyond 2023? Because you're going to need to do that at some point. And if certain guys are available and you can make simple trades, then I think that's something they ought to be looking into. Obviously, you know, I think they've said they're not going to trade Shohei Otani. Juan Soto would be like a, you know, crazy thing for San Diego to do. But, you know, look, like that's something we've been asking this front office to do. If guys like that are available, like you need to find the power hitter of the future somewhere, right? And other than Otani, there's not great options in this free agent class. So if guys become available, you know, you pick up the phone and make those calls. Again, whether you are moving someone like Bellinger because his contract is up or Stroman, you can be doing multiple things at once and the focus does not have to be let's try to win in 2023 right i don't think that's what's going to be the motivation really no matter how this goes do you think they already have their answer kind of per se is that word you're leaning on i remember talking to cody about this a little bit is 
because they're not doing a win-by-win basis. They came out and said that it's not going to determine one game. It's not going to determine what we do. So you kind of think that there's a little less gray area there, and you kind of think that this is the path they're going to take no matter what. I, I think that I just don't see a scenario where they're selling legit pieces just for this year. That that's how I would phrase that. So I don't necessarily think that means they wouldn't try to help this team, but I I would be very surprised if they're moving anybody of significance uh, that has only this year on their contract. I just don't think that makes any sense. I mean, if you can get help, they need help, obviously, in a lot of areas, right? You had mm-hmm. a few guys in this lineup with sub 650 OPSs tonight, right? right? Like, <laughs> you have no power. You could use more help in the bullpen. The rotation, you know, for certain parts has been a mess lately. You can use the help. So if they can trade a nothing prospect for help in those areas, sure, right? Even if the contract is expiring. But if we're talking about, like, really buying at this deadline, if they're they're not here for 2024 or beyond, I can't see why that would be something they would be doing. Yeah. Um, It's just one of those things that I feel like, I would feel a lot better about the front office moving forward if, if you know, someone said in the chat you'd have to move Stroman or Bellinger to be able to get a guy with 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 the uh, you know years of control. And it's like, like that's what I'm saying is if you, I just I hate the idea of moving those two guys for guys who have no major league experience at this point and the point of where we're at in this quote unquote rebuild. That's not supposed to be a rebuild. That's that's what I that's that's my big thing. Because I just feel like they'll be taking so many steps back that we'll be going into 2024 thinking like we were thinking going into this season. And that like that's not what we're supposed to be thinking in 2024. So if you trade Stroman, you straight you trade Bellinger, and you can get some guys who can make immediate impact going into 2024. Awesome. Great. I'll change my tone and I'll say I'm sorry for a lot of things I said in my Twitter space the other night and what I've said on this podcast this week. Like that's to me, that would be the ideal scenario. So um, we have another super chat. Got from, two. We got a couple. Two, uh, two super chats. Baseball Junkie, $5. Shout out to the CHGO crew. Love ending my day with you. I went from inventing new curse words to immaculate vibes. Baseball is irrational. Fly the W. Uh, thank you, Baseball, Thanks, baseball junkie. junkie. He sent us a handful of uh, super chats before. Um, the other one, $5 from Niall Duffy. Love the pod. If it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't have come to Chicago to see Nico Horner's first career Grand Slam live. Love that. Love from your number one Irish fan. I see like the $5 is like, uh, looks. Pounds. Uh, yeah, it's in pounds. So he must be from overseas. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's, sick. Uh, that's a, that, that's a good one to, uh, to be at tonight. Yeah. So, a good all one things considered. All things yeah. Considered. I mean, I. I, I'm 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 with you, Cody. Like I, I think the test for Jed Hoyer here, right? And and again, I I know that there's I can see the chat, right? I I'm also on Twitter. Like I have feelings about this team as well. Like I'm well aware that a lot of you are like, what are they even talking about? They're selling. This team is bad. I don't care that they beat the Nationals. I I get it, right? Like, but we're trying to like figure out what they're doing and like. think through it out loud right i i I hear you i get it i promise right like (laughs) i promise but i I think the test for jed hoyer right regardless of how you want to phrase whatever they're going to do in the next couple weeks is how do you get 
the 2024 cut, how do you get out of this cycle, right, is how I've been thinking about this, right? Because for the last few years, you've taken an underachieving mm-hmm. 75-ish win team, right? You've subtracted some of the best pieces. And then in the offseason, you've kind of bumped it back up to around a 75-win team again, right? Like give or take, again, a handful of games. You have to break that cycle at some point, which means you have to be bringing in more talent that is contributing to you than you are letting leave. And that's just not what we've seen for the last few years. You brought in a lot of talent, but it's been very young talent. And very few of that talent has shown up at Wrigley Field so far. So that's the needle that Jed has to thread if that's what they're interested in. I don't know what Jed is trying to do at this point. But uh, for me, that's how I would view this situation as a success. This season has not gone the way any of us would have hoped, even if we were being optimistic at the beginning of the year, right? It's still, I think, been below even some of our lowest expectations so far. So the key for me is whatever you decide to do, whatever decisions that you want to make with these players, the 2024 team needs to be in a better place than where we have been these last couple off seasons, which is going into spring training saying, well, if these 12 things go right in a bad division, maybe they can sneak like 85 wins or something. We need to be moving past that, right? So however they want to go about that, if that's moving Stroman and Bellinger for almost ready prospects and soft buying on some other depth pieces, go for it, right? If it's keeping those guys because you want them in the fold and the offers aren't any good that you're getting from these teams, fine. I don't really care. I always say this, like, I don't have a dog in this race in terms of the specific players. I just want this team to be good and win games. So however he wants to handle this deadline, be my guest. Just please go into 2024 with a legitimately good and competitive team. See, and that, that's kind of where I, I – it, it's hard for me to take my feelings out of that because just, I don't know, being a baseball fan first – I can't get away from how much I enjoy watching Cody Bellinger play. I want to see him around, man. I, I There's a lot of guys who have come and go. You know, I wasn't sad to see Javier Baez go. I wasn't sad to see Wilson Contreras go. There's been guys who've been on the team for a lot longer. I watch a guy like Cody Bellinger play and fall in love with the way he plays the game in every facet, and that that that's my horse in the race. I would understand. I would much rather them be good, obviously, if it meant getting rid of him, but I think the the, mo- the fascinating part about this, we talk about, you know, will they buy, will they sell? The fascinating underlying theme that we're going to figure out here in the next couple of weeks is what Jed Hoyer really wants to be as like a baseball executive. Because the last two off seasons have been obvious. I mean, the offense was broken. Sell the team last year. I don't even know what you used to describe that team that they put out last year. Clear sellers, no question about it. This year, they haven't been great. It's been up and down. But it's one of those things where, shoot, I mean, if you've got the resources you have, maybe you're thinking a little bit more along the lines of let's be a little bit more ballsy here and go for it. We'll see if Jed's a little bit more conservative and kind of stays back and says, yeah, we're going to make the right decision. That would be, I think, what most of our guts are telling us he's going to do. But part of me still says, I think they want to still try this and go for it, depending yeah. on what happens this week. But we'll find out a lot about what what his – you know, yeah, baseball, you know, IQ is over the next two weeks because this could be a make or break off or make or break trade deadline and offseason coming up for him. Oh, absolutely. I, 
I, you're, to your point, Kevin, I genuinely, and I think I said this yesterday with Braggs, like I genuinely think they want to do everything they can to not sell. You know what I mean? Like, I think that they'll trade Strowman, and if they do trade Strowman and Bellinger, it's going to be like <laughs> t- clock ticking down to the very end. I, or unless it's unless things really fall apart this weekend against the Cardinals or something like that, and it's just very clear because anything can happen. Like, win three of four this weekend, maybe, and maybe the Brewers lose all four against Atlanta, right? Like, they could find themselves four back. By the end of the weekend, I, I'm just yeah, saying exactly. And, and and then they and then the Cubs have the Sox, and then they go to St. Louis, right? I'm just anything can like like I said last night, anything can happen. I'm not saying it's gonna happen. I'm not saying that it's realistic that it can happen. But we've seen crazier things happen in baseball, man. Like no one thought that 2021 Braves team with the moves they made at the deadline was gonna lead them to win the World Series. No one thought that 2019 Nationals team was going to have the start they did and win the World Series. Like There's so many other things. And the difference between those two teams, though, and this Cubs team is they clearly have more talent than the Cubs. So, yeah, I don't fully believe that anything crazy is going to happen with this team. But to go to your point related to Cody Bellinger, it's just, like, so frustrating that things are the player, way they man. are because, yeah. yes, he is such a good player. A good to player. me, he is someone that he – he should be part of like this next core of, of players that's going to lead this team somewhere. Cause you're not going to find a player like PCA is, is going to be fun. He's going to be great. People are going to love him. It's going to be a great player probably, but man, like why can't you have both? You know what I mean? Like you still have this issue at first base. We've talked about it ends. I don't want to talk, like keep going. I'm just saying that like, it's just such a frustrating situation. The Cubs are in right now. And that's why like, yeah, I'm rooting for them to like, get within three, three and a half games. So maybe they only trade Stroman or something like that and keep Bellinger or, or something like, I, I don't know. I, at this point, I have no idea what they're going to do. But I, in my opinion, if they keep Bellinger, they have a better chance to re-sign him than they do if, if, they, if they trade him. That's, and it, I get the reasoning behind trading him because you have to get something from him and you're not sure if you're going to, if you're going to be able to resign him anyway, but I think your best chance to keep him is, is if you, you know, keep him in the winter, like when he goes to free agency, I think the best chance to keep him is by keeping him now. Cause I just think that that relationship will, would be well, will the Cubs pay him pay up for him? I sure as hell hope so. He's played well enough to where he's deserving of some decent contract and if and if they're not, then we have bigger issues. Then yes, we can sit here and com- continue to complain about ownership, and and then it's more than just the front office. Then then yeah, like for sure. But to me, like ownership hasn't been the problem the last two and a half years since the deadline ended. To me, it's been that Jed Hoyer just hasn't been aggressive enough in certain situations in the off season uh, with some of the players that he didn't want to pay uh, or they didn't go after, and they chose other guys instead. So like. I get the there's all kinds of different arguing points behind it. I'm not saying that I'm right, and I'm not saying that anyone else who disagrees with me is wrong. I just that's just kind of the way that I look at it. And all in all, it's mean, a back fair to way to look at it. I mean, it is. It's a fair way to look at it. It's not the wrong way to look at I, it at all. I think I've said, you know, in the 
weekend shows, I think with Brendan and I think with you and Ryan in the studio, Cody, like belly fits this team, you know, they're desperate for power and it's not an easy situation to go out and solve. They have a lot of good complementary offensive pieces, right? But they lack those true, just middle of the order, mashing type players. And maybe Bellinger is not the pinnacle of that, but he's been your best source of it, right? Mm-hmm. Outside of, you know, when wisdom's been hot and not in one of his ice cold stretches, right? So I think he fits. But I think, you know, to your earlier point, though, like, I think this goes without saying, right? Like, none of us want them to be doing this. I, I can't fathom thinking that any of us want them to be having these conversations. Um, we've been pleading with them to act like a big market team. And, you know, if we're on year, if you call next year, what, like year three of the rebuild? I don't really count 2021. Um, big market teams shouldn't do this, right? Big market teams don't do this. It doesn't take them this long. And I think that goes to your point, uh, Kevin, about, you know, how sort of risk averse Jed has been, which I think allows this to take longer, right? None of us want them to be doing this, but this is the conversation that is real, right? Like we can get on here and scream about they should trade for this guy and go for it in 2023. Mm -hmm. I, I don't make those decisions, and I'm just being honest when I say I don't think that's what's going to happen. I mean, so when, even when they had a good team, they didn't go out and make the big swings. I mean, they, in the last couple of big players that have been on the market, yeah, I mean, going all the way back to Bryce Harper, his free agent. I mean, this team's never been one to take the big they swing. Get, they I, made, I we're not going to see that this trade deadline. They but made a good, pieces, maybe. They made good trade deadline acquisitions, but after like once they won the World Series, and then you know, they didn't win in 17. And, you know, like you said, Bryce Harper and, um, you know, Manny Machado and them like, yeah, but, you know, again, they did make some good trade allies acquisitions like Nick. Never that big $300 million man bat that they need though. Never the big franchise altering player. So, and we're definitely not going to see that at this deadline either. Corey's right on that. Um, We have a handful of super chats that we'll get to. Let's read some ads. Uh, if you, everyone's complaining about Jed Hoyer in the chat, and I don't necessarily blame you. If you think you can do his job better, let me tell you about Lewis university. Students are just like you full-time jobs, families, full-time sports fandoms go back to school to earn a respected degree at Lewis university, 35 miles Southwest of Chicago in Romeoville ranked as one of us news and world reports, top tier colleges, Lewis partners with numerous employers for tuition discounts and offers evening online and blended formats to help you balance work, family, education. Faculty will bring real-world experience and instruction to the classroom, which is immediately relevant to your career. We offer, or they offer, career support and academic resources for adult students looking to complete your bachelor's or master's degree or enroll in a professional certificate program. Lewis has the right program for you. Lewis offers several career-focused programs that will set you up for success. Uh, just to name a few, like I said, if you want, you you think you can do Jed Hoyer's job better, well, let me tell you, you should probably consider going into like data science or computer science or, uh, you know, some sort of business analytics uh, career. All these things can be offered at Lewis University. Discover how a degree from Lewis can help you build a better world. Learn more at lewisu.edu slash you can do this. I just realized there was lower thirds that I could have been using. So sorry, Lewis University. My fault. 
Well, they're 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 there now, though. I like getting the live production thought on air. Um, maybe you're drinking too much Goose Island. Which is an excellent segue, Cody, to uh, thanking our wonderful sponsor. CHGO is supported by the Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer since 1988. They have an incredible beer roster like the Goose IPA, a six-time medal winner at the Great American Beer Fest, the Tropical Beer hug the full pocket pilsner which i believe cody is what goes in the beer bat when it comes back yes the full pocket pilsner yes yes uh and then of course my favorite 312 wheat ale uh nothing beats like tonight you guys the sunset was immaculate i'm sure they showed that on the broadcast it's like 75 degrees a beautiful historic wrigley field and that perfect 312 goose island wheat ale nothing like it uh And you can also grab all of these beers uh, and brewery-exclusive beers at the Goose Island Original Brew House on Clybourne Avenue in Lincoln Park or from their tap room on Fulton Street in Westtown. If you go to uh, that Clybourne location for sure, get yourself a smash burger. I recommend it. Uh, Get the smash burger, pair it with a 312. That's my go-to meal when I go to the Clybourne uh, tap room. I, I would recommend it a lot. Uh, and that, of course, is Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's Beer. You know who had his first Goose Island last night at beautiful historic Wrigley Field? My Who's buddy that? Jeff. My buddy Jeff. My buddy uh, Jeff. Big Cubs fan who lives in Florida. Was up for, uh, he's been up for the week and um, took him to his first game in about a decade. Enjoyed a Goose Island. He looked at me and goes, never had this before. It's pretty good. I'm like, it's a great beer. The, the, the day Wrigley Field got Goose Island, game changer. Hong Kong, baby. Yeah. Um, well said, Kevin. Uh, let's get to the Super Chats, and then I, there's still a lot we should probably talk about re- regarding this game, and also just uh, I, I do like the conversation we were having in general. Um, Mariano, t- 9.99. so thank you again, Mariano. It's the second one of the, the night. Cubs need a power bat at the corner infield positions. I don't like trading players who are already accomplished. At some point, you have to pay players to stay, act like a big market. And that's pretty much on point in terms of what I've – at least for Cody Bellinger. For me, like I understand Stroman to a certain extent because he is in his early 30s now, um, and they do have pitching prospects that could hit. I am I, I like Jordan Wicks. I like Ben Brown. Cade Horton will be here eventually, and they have other dudes as well. And they can potentially re-sign Stroman in the offseason if if they wanted to. Or, you know, we talk about how this team needs more swing and miss. Aaron Nola is an option that will be a free agent this offseason. I'm sure others as well. So, like, I can get past Stroman as much as I would love to keep him. Um, but Bellinger is kind of like what, what Marion was saying. Like, that's the one to me that, like, it makes so much sense to keep him around and try and convince him to stay and – and just pony up the money because as much as I, you know, my, my friend Greg Braggs is trying to manifest Shoei Otani to the Cubs next year. We can all, we, all three of us can confidently sit here and, you know, say that it's not, it's probably unlikely, you know what I mean? So you got to build a core around here. And I feel like Cody Bellinger would be a great addition or a piece of that core. And Cody Bellinger's not going to get $300 million either. You know, that's the other thing is he's going to get a lot of money. If he keeps this up, I mean, left-handed power bats are a rarity and a guy who can hit and play multiple positions, but 
it's a contract the Cubs will be able to afford. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it won't be a $300 million deal. It, you know, it might be, you know, 175, 200, maybe 200, but it's not going to, like, he had way too many down years to get himself up to that big threshold. So it'll be a contract they can afford, no question. And when they I, should be in the running for it. I, I, he just makes so much sense for this group, right? Like, even if in your wildest dreams, PCA is up to start next year, right? And center field belongs to him and the PCA train is off and running for the next 15 years, right? Like, Cody's played first base. You don't have an answer at first base. Like, I hope they bring Matt Mervis back, and I hope he plays better. But even then, you're not going to get that many play appearances from Matt Mervis. You're not going to be sure, right, that he's your guy, even if he's great and he comes back to finish the last few months and he's on fire. Like, you're still not sure, right, that he is your everyday, no-question first baseman. So the fact that Bellinger can DH, he can play first, he can play center field until PCA is ready, I I think he makes all the sense in the world. And yeah, Yeah. I mean, that super chat from Mariano, like, I've been waiting for them to act like a big market team for (laughs) several years now. Like, Mm -hmm. we're... I, I promise you we're all in the same boat. Like none of us want to be having this conversation for I the, just think that Cody you know, Bellinger is different. Like the like the point of his career is different. Like maybe the closest thing to Cody Bellinger since Jed took over and and has had these trade deadlines that we've had to go through the last two years coming on three is Chris Bryant. And that's only because he was what, 28, 29, whenever he that the 2021 deadline. The but the only thing that's somewhat different from that is that he wasn't really he was having an all-star or yeah he made the all-star team that year but we all talked about oh the injuries how will that affect him long term like I felt like there were reasons that you could I guess convince yourself that it was probably the right move to go ahead and trade him outside of the fact that he was going to be a rental and also you felt like he was going to command more money than you were going to want to pay him the thing that's different between Chris Bryant and Cody Bellinger, though, is that, sure, Cody Bellinger won an MVP. He was great in the early years of Dodgers. He also had a couple years where he wasn't good. This is a half season of really good ball. If he does this the rest of the year, great, awesome. That makes me want him even more, but it's still only one really good year, and it's all about what have you done for me lately. So, yeah, Kevin, I agree. Like, I don't think he's going to command a $300 million contract over seven or eight years. I think it's more like a four or five year deal. You're going to have to pay him 20 plus million dollars a year, but like that's nothing like what some of these other guys are getting paid. You know what I mean? Like to me, it's a very affordable for an organization like the Cubs. And sure, we can say you're complaining about the Rickets, but like it's not like they don't, they haven't given out decently, decently sized contracts before. You know, Swanson got 177. Do you think Bellinger's going to get more than that? Like, I don't think so. I don't think he's getting two hundred million. This and we we talked about this before. Like, I, I I think you can go back through the years of podcasts I've done, my Twitter, whatever you want. I have spoken my piece about the ownership of this team and how they've spent money. I promise you, right? But we're in a point now where this is really on Jet. He he needs yeah. to make the money. He's given more money. It should be more, right? I have to clarify that every time, right? They should be number one in payroll every year. That's what I want. I'm a season ticket holder. That is what I want my money going towards, right? So trust me, don't come at me with any like, you know, Ricketts apologist stuff. But at the end of the day, though, Jed is given more money than 
most general, you know, presidents in baseball in this league. And as we said before, markets similar to the Cubs do not take this long to rebuild every time that they do it. And they don't do it twice in the span of, you know, 10 years or whatever it is. It's whether Tom thinks this, I don't know. But as a fan, it is put up or shut up time for Jed Hoyer. Like you need to start making moves that make this team better. That is what we were, we've been discussing, right? Like mm-hmm. it's weird. The The chat for me and Brendan on Sunday was like, they better sell. You guys are crazy to even discuss it. The chat tonight is like kind of different than that. It's very interesting. Um, yeah. But at some point, like I said, it, it doesn't have to be these specific players. I think Bellinger in particular really does fit this roster just in the needs and positions that they have available. And as a lot of people have said, I, I don't know the type of prospect that you're going to get is really going to be that exciting, right? Um, but at some point, you have got to get out of this cycle of a, an underachieving team. You take away the best players and you build it back up to basically that same level in the offseason. At some point, that has to stop. And whether that's through internal development, spending more money in the offseason, or making savvy trades, right? This is something that we've wanted them to do for years, right? Where are the Cubs when Mookie Betts is getting given away for nothing, right? Where are the Cubs when Paul Goldschmidt is getting given away for nothing? They were in love with Nolan Arenado. You can read any number of articles about how much this front office loved Nolan Arenado. Where were they when the, what do you say, Cody, that they gave him away for a washing machine? Isn't that what you always say? Multiple washing machines. It's ridiculous. It doesn't have to be addressed that way. There's a lot of different ways to go about this, right? But at some point you have got to start seeing better and immediate results. We cannot keep going into seasons. Maybe they'll be good. Maybe they won't. Yeah. It's not good enough. It, it like you give a little bit of leeway, right? I, I agreed with moving on from the core and, and trying to do something new. But at, at mm. some point, you cannot just keep kicking the can down the road, which in a vacuum, if you sell at this deadline, that's kind of what it feels like, right? Because oh, exactly you just leave yourself with more to oh, replace. Yeah. You know, so like I get that it, you know, from Jed's perspective, it's going to, if they're eight out or nine out, right? Like they're, they're going to try to sell pieces if the offers come through. But at some point you have got to be bringing in more talent than you are letting go. And that has just not been what they've been doing for the last three plus years. Yeah. We got Um, a handful of more. Just to super round out chats. some of these super chats, Fernando, uh, always good for a buck ninety nine. Appreciate it here and for the ups and downs, mediocrity be damned. Yeah, that's kind of what we were just talking you, about. And could be worse. We could be White Sox fans from Mario Tenuta. Yeah, they're they're a dumpster fire. Take that, Sean Anderson. Yeah. White Sox lost <laughs> uh, again tonight. They're in a tough spot. Uh, speaking of that, we have the crosstown takeover uh, next week, uh, July twenty sixth. We'll be doing the pregame. Uh, pregame meetup at the Carrig in Oak Forest, and then there'll be a shuttle to uh, Guaranteed Rate Field. Uh, all the information's at allchco.com, and uh, if you buy a ticket to the event, it buys you the ticket to the game, and uh, you get a free shirt from the CHGO Locker. It's one of the baseball tees, and I assume everyone here would want the Cubs one that is part of the deal, considering this is the CHGO Cubs podcast. So uh, go uh, go get your ticket. 
come hang out with us at the cell. There's also, if you don't want to go to the cell, you can meet up with us on August 16th as well. We'll be doing the same event basically, but at beautiful historic Wrigley field. So I'll be out there at the, the Sox one in a couple of weeks. I can't wait. I'm, I'm super excited. I, I, I know that Wrigley, I mean, obviously not comparing the two parks, they're not even in the same stratosphere, but tailgating at White Sox games is a lot of fun. So we're going to be doing that for a little bit, probably having a few beers in the parking lot, right? I think that was part of the plan. Or are we just taking the show? No, we're doing the pregame meetup at this bar oh, called the Carib. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, either way, I'll be at the game. I'm pretty excited. So I'll meet up with you guys. It should be a good one. And honestly, could have a bare bones White Sox team at that point. They're looking to solve a lot of guys. Could be a nice win for the Cubs. They could put up a lot of runs on hopefully a team that's depleted at that point. Absolutely. Um, what other Super Chats? I know we have more. Yeah, we got we have eight total, so we got another one from Baseball Junkie, his second one. Cubs were wow. 22 games under 500 this time last year. This year, they're five under. Is that not enough improvement for Jed and company to buy? No, it's not enough. It's all based on the the standings. That's just yeah. how it is, you know? Yeah. Again, I, like, I we we all wish that this team were aggressively trying to win at the highest level all the time, but if they're eight or nine out at the deadline. Like I just don't, I don't see it. It, it doesn't, it's not about what I want. I just mm-hmm. don't see it. The, the moral of the story is that the Cubs flopped when they had the opportunity to take control of this division. And I would say they had the opportunity to take control of this division in early May when the entire division was struggling. I, I remember there was at least two or at least two weeks, two or three weeks, where every team in this division was losing. Uh, and the Cubs were losing along with them. The, the month of May was awful. They, I think they went like 10 and 18 that month. And, you know, they just haven't really been able, outside of that, you know, 11, and, 11 out of 13 stretch going into London, you know, it's been a lot of mediocrity and inconsistency. And, yeah, we're here five under – with 11 games before the deadline, like I said, I think they gotta they gotta get on a hot streak here. They they can't afford really to lose any games um, unless they get lucky. And on those days, and Milwaukee loses too. And well, here's Milwaukee the thing: I mean, you so. may not have a chance to. You know, you're right. They did have an opportunity there to take a lead, but the Reds got hot. And a lot can happen. Here's one thing: you do have a chance to do. You got three games against the Cardinals coming up. The Cardinals are playing really well right now. You got a chance to shut them down, put them even farther down in the standings, put them in your rearview mirror this weekend, because right now they're creeping up a little bit again, as we all knew they would. They they never go away. It seems no matter what. Yeah. But you have a chance this weekend to put them in your rearview mirror with a, with a three game sweep, and it's possible you got two of your best horses going with Stroman and Steele. So yeah. uh, that's something you can look forward to. But you're right. I mean, it's getting back to the super chat. It's you know. You're right. Depends on the market and five under. I don't know if that's enough for them yet. Uh, one more from Mario Tenuta. Uh, thanks for another, another one. It's that third one. Thank you yeah, again. Thank you. If the Cubs were willing to pay Hayward after one good season, they can de- they can pay they can definitely pay Bellinger, who is a lefty. I think that's not giving Jason Hayward enough credit, but it was his best season. It's Saint it's not apples to apples, but yeah. yeah. Look, I mean, at some point you you gotta you got to believe in, in good players. And I think somebody said it earlier in the chat, like the Cubs have managed to get, uh, you know, a, 
I don't want it, not the best out of Cody Bellinger, but they've helped him turn things around, whether that's because of a change of scenery or stuff they've done behind the scenes. And, you know, somebody earlier in the chat was like, why let somebody else benefit from that? Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of with you, right? Like, I know the reality right. of where they are in the standings, but I, again, I just think he's, he's a great fit. And yeah, some people are saying in the chat, it is four games. They have a chance oh, for a four yeah. game sweep mm-hmm. with the St. Louis Cardinals. Four games. Yep. So. With yeah, Stroman and Steele, like you said, Kevin, uh, I think Stroman goes tomorrow with Steele on Friday. So if they can get those first two games, hope and then hope and pray that Milwaukee loses both. You never know; could find ourselves, you know, four games back on the next week. But I'm not jumping too far. Don't now. let don't don't let me talk myself. Into I it. I love watching it live, right? Like. <laughs> <laughs> Cody, like, so easily, he's like, well, if Steele and Stroman just win, I'm doing the math in my head, right? Like, How many more starts do they have? Okay, if those are wins. They could, then, they could be five and a half back by, by Saturday if, if Milwaukee loses and our two aces show up and just shove it down the Cardinals' throats. I don't know, man. Looks like our guy I, Ryan Herrera is here, too, so we can chat about that. Ryan Herrera is in the building. Should we do yeah. the ads? Should we do the last set of ads before we actually talk to Ryan? Yeah. Yeah. Or- Okay. So let's make him sit here for it. What's up, let's Ryan? make him sit here and watch. It's um, not the first time. <laughs> he can put his Shady Rays on while we do it. Take on the sun with gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades. At an affordable price, Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures that's not all shady rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements if you lose or break your pair even on day one they told us they will send you a brand new pair no questions asked Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase. Together with their customers, Shady Rays is providing much-needed support to nonprofit partners across the U.S. through Shady Rays Impact. From building play sets for pediatric cancer patients to providing young adults with MS the outdoor adventure of a lifetime, Shady Rays is making an impact in your community and others like it now for years to come. If you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back exclusively for everyone here in the chat and anyone else listening. Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code CHGO for 50% off two pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the Shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Also want to remind you guys about the CHGO Kickoff Classic Golf Tournament at Cog Hill Number 2 at 9 a.m. on August 25th. You can sign up as an individual, a twosome, or a foursome. If you are a CHGO diehard member, we have a promo code for you. You can email events at allcitynetwork.com to receive your discount code for the tournament. Entry fee includes 18 holes with a cart, exclusive pins and aces tee gift for every player, access to limited edition pins and aces, CHGO polo, contests at holes, great giveaways and prizes for holes, winning teams, and last place, lunch, drinks, and ceremony after the tournament. 
And again, that's also a good reminder to look into and sign up to be a diehard member over at allchgo.com. You get exclusive deals and promos on all of the events that we've been talking about, exclusive merch, access to the Discord, uh, plenty of great perks with that. So be sure to check out allchgo.com and sign up to be a diehard member. And if you are into golf, don't miss the CHGO Kickoff Classic. That is Friday, August 25th at 9 a.m. at Cog Hill. I'll be there with my Shady Rays uh, with Goose Island driving the cart around because I suck at golf. You're not going to play? Wait. No. Oh, come on. Baseball junkie. Actually, I, I'll probably try and, and play, but like, you know. Yeah, you got to hit a few. Best ball, baby. That's 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 what I do. Yeah. Baseball junkie with another super chat. We appreciate the super chats, my friend, but comparing me to Miles Mastroboni, <laughs> come on. Get out of oh, here. Where's that that I missed? Two I can't take tonight, that. Three hits yesterday, Corey. And, but, you know, like, like two hits today. Un, I'll, I'm yeah, going to take the hat point. off. Unlike Miles, I got a... I got a full head of hair up here, all right? So I don't know if I'm supposed to take that as a compliment or not. But given that he has an OPS under 530, I'm taking it uh, as a dig. So. Oh, my God. I'm not going to lie. That's that's the funniest super chat we've got. Not the worst comparison. Higher WRC plus than 2019 John Lester, though. So factually, great. That's Corey's basis for just that like might be the best bottom bit. of the barrel. Yeah. That might be the best bit on Cubs Twitter. I wish that I didn't have game. to bring it out every year for the last four seasons. So, right. you know. Um, hello, Ryan Herrera. How are you? Hello. It's a, uh, obviously a good night here at the old friendly confines. How are you guys? I'm good. Um, one thing we haven't talked about, I mean, we've kind of talked about Kyle Hendricks a little bit, um, but I'm just interested in, uh, you know, if you're able to talk to him after the game. Um, any, I know like with the trade deadline looming, I, I'm not, I don't know if they're going to trade him or not, but it could potentially tonight could have been his last start as a cub at Wrigley field, at least, um, were, was it, did anyone ask him any questions related to that? Yeah, we did. I'm mean, obviously that, and just the, you know, direction of the team in general, um, going forward. I mean, he said he didn't necessarily think about like the fact that just the way the rotation lines up all that like this could be his potentially last start at Wrigley Field in a Cubs uniform before that I mean it is the way it lines up right unless they shift things around he gets to pitch here one more time um but the way things are lined up the schedule he this is his last time pitching at Wrigley Field uh before the trade deadline um yeah he said he didn't really think about that specifically just uh, you know where the Cubs are at you know that he's been a part of the last two sell-offs the trade deadlines and and he's been around, he's 33 years old, 10 seasons in the big leagues. Like he understands the business side of baseball. So um, what he said was he's just more like happy to be playing baseball, playing well, obviously, but playing baseball. Just, just from what he's gone through the last couple of years, um, the shoulders, uh, capsular tearing his right shoulder, all that, having a long rehab, having to come back and just not knowing for sure, um, you know, where he would be at right. We, I think we all said it. We had really no expectations for Kyle Hendricks coming back because we didn't know where he was going to be at. Um, so for him, it was. It's like he just he he's happy to be playing baseball, playing well, playing with the guys in the clubhouse, being around the clubhouse guys. You know, being a part of what they're trying to do right now. Um, but he said it. You know, he said well, he's been. He knows the business of baseball. He doesn't know. You know, they have work to do, obviously. 
Um, and then whatever happens is the front office's decision. None of the guys in the clubhouse can control it outside of doing what they do on the field. So um, that's just kind of his, you know, that's obviously his, um, what he thinks about it. That's what pretty much everyone in the clubhouse says about it is they're going to go out there, do what they could do, um, focus on winning, focus on being together and, and winning as a team. Um, just hoping that can obviously lead to good things come the trade deadline 11, 12 days from now. Ryan, I'm... Oh, yeah, go ahead, Corey. No, go for it, Kevin. Oh, I was just going to... Just one more thing on Kyle Hendricks. I'm kind of looking at his splits at Wrigley. 118 career starts at Wrigley Field. He's got almost 600 strikeouts compared to... Um, looks like 100 and... Let's see, 150 walks about. <laughs> of all of those numbers, and we can go through splits and whatnot, and we've all sat here and watched a lot of Kyle Hendricks at Wrigley Field. Can you think of any fun memories and like what's your favorite memory of him just covering a game or anything like that anything that you guys have had sitting in the stands aside from you know you could say postseason but I'm just curious I, I really feel like we got to give Kyle Hendricks kind of a tip of the hat from all the great starts he's had at Wrigley over these last few years yeah I mean just you know the last couple of years have obviously been been down for him right um just because of the the, the injury the the struggles in 21 I mean for me I you think about when was it? I, I don't I think it was a Cardinals game, right? The last time the Cardinals were here was when he made his debut this season. And again, we didn't know what to expect from Kyle, but it was just kind of like, it was just good to see Kyle Hendricks back, hopefully healthy and pitching for the Cubs. Like that's after that whole year, that long rehab process, like that's, that was just good to know and, and good to see. And whether he was as effective as he's been or not, uh, just to see him come back, make that debut, pitch against the Cardinals, whatever it was, like after everything he'd been through the last couple of years. Uh, I mean, that's obviously just a good note uh, for me, you know, for specifically covering him. Not a whole lot of Kyle Hendricks because he missed all of that first half of last season. Um, so just to see him, yeah, back again, healthy, pitching well, it's always good to see. I think, you know, there's there's a few things I would say about Kyle Hendricks. And, I, you know, obviously we'll see how this plays out. You know, we may not need to be doing a – Right. Yeah. Um, you know, memorandum on him, but I, I do think, you know, given the occasion and how things have happened in the last few years, it's always good to do it, you know, beforehand. Um, you know, one thing that comes to mind, if you're talking outside of the postseason, I remember when he started the 2020 season with a complete game shutout, um, nine strikeouts. Um, and just, that was such a unique, situation obviously in a scary situation at times for so many people um and we're all you know sitting at home like for him to start that season that way was just a really special moment even given the circumstances um that you know kind of stands out obviously what he needs to be remembered for is that he's pitched two of the biggest games in Chicago Cubs history uh one he started is potentially the biggest game in baseball history, um, not just Cubs history. Um, the pennant winning game against the Dodgers in game six of 2016. And while it wasn't at Wrigley Field, game seven, of course, against uh, Cleveland to win the World Series. But for me, the thing that, that stands out most about Kyle Hendricks is that, and he did it tonight, right? He he goes about this and has achieved such success in a way that nobody, very few people, I mean, really, I don't want to say the history of baseball, because I, I don't know what was going on, you know, for the 200 years this sport's been around. But it's, 
it's just such a unique way of going about things. And for a guy to sit in the high 80s with his fastball and work so much on getting weak contact um, to have a year where he nearly could have won the Cy Young um, if you know, a couple of pitchers, one of whom was John Lester on his own team, weren't better than him in that year. Um, and just continue doing that in a manner that we just don't see. The game has obviously evolved to velo and huge spin and, you know, so many different things that Kyle Hendricks just doesn't necessarily do. And so to watch him have the career that he did um, and go about things the way that he does has just been really special. It's just so unique and not really something that I, I think we'll see too much going forward because the game just trends away from it, right? Guys like him don't even get a chance in a lot of situations. And for somebody like him to have the success that he did for the Chicago Cubs um, after coming over here in a trade is really uh, quite something. Yeah, and hopefully a lot more years like that too. That's that's really the hope. But you're right. If it, this was, you know, the only reason I brought it up is just in case, you know, because I really yeah. do think that most of us hanging out in the chat here at, you know, 11 o'clock on a Wednesday night talking Cubs baseball realize the impact that he's had on this franchise, but he truly will go down as an all-time great Cub. And if this was his last start at Wrigley field, it was, it's memorable and it was great. Yeah. I mean, for me, other than the postseason success, I mean, the, the start that always sticks out to me is the Maddox he threw in 2019 against the Cardinals for obvious reasons, because it was against the Cardinals, um, but also the fact that it was 81 pitches, I think it was in that start. So that I just remember watching it that day. And it's just like when he's on, he's on and it's special to watch. Uh, he's not going to go to the Hall of Fame. He was your poor man's Greg Maddox at, is the best way that you could explain Kyle Hendricks. Um and he was never a top prospect. The fact he got him for Brian Dempster and, like Corey said, pitched in two of the biggest games in Cubs history. That's uh, how his career turned out to be with the Cubs was uh, it's everything you could have asked for. So, um, yeah. I, that's, Ryan, that's my I, I know, you know, we're getting we're a little over an hour here, but I did, uh, you know, one question for you. I don't know if they talked about it, but kind of just curious your thoughts, I suppose, because there was some chatter about this, certainly on Twitter and in our chat here, like very nice. I'm happy that Jan Gomes got an opportunity to get uh, the go ahead RBI there with the sack fly. He ripped that ball, right? Like the Nats are lucky they had that played well enough and wasn't, uh, you know, maybe a bases clearing double or something. Um, but I'm assuming you know where I'm going with this question. Um, when you pinch hit for your DH with another right-handed hitter, doesn't that say something about your DH? Like, and I don't, I, I, I've, look, the Mancini signing has not gone well, right? He's had issues on defense. He's got a sub 650 OPS. He has not been what you signed him to be. But speaking about this decision tonight specifically, right? You just don't see a designated hitter get pinch hit for by a catcher who's getting rest, who hits from the same side of the plate as your designated hitter. I just feel like that says something about the situation here. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I kind of laughed at that and you know, opened the press box when I noticed it was a righty for a right, a right handed hitter, hit, pinch hitting for a right handed hitter. Um, I, I mean, you, that wasn't discussed post game. I, I know David Ross kind of saying Jan Gomes's praises instead, you know, rather sure. than that, um, you know, birthday guy getting the the go ahead run or go ahead RBI. 
Um, and the stuff Ross has talked about in the past is like the, the catchers, Jan Gomes, Tucker Barnard, whoever, like very valuable to them as far as like the defense and soft factors go. Um, I, I want to say it was about Jan Gomes specifically that Ross kind of said like anything he gives us, like the offense is gravy kind of thing. Um, he said that in the past. So um, yeah, I, I yeah, like you're right. The Trey Mancini signing has not gone well, right? There was a lot of people that wanted it. Um, thought maybe a, a Mancini, Mervis platoon or something to start the year would have worked. Um, you know, Mervis is still in AAA. We don't know how much longer that's going to be, but for right now he is. And Trey Mancini, yeah, just hasn't been a successful pairing this year. I, I'm with you. I, it obviously says something about the guy that you're DHing if you're – pinch hitting for him in a, in a pretty big situation um, with a guy that bats the same, another right-handed batter. Um, it says something about it. I don't know how you fix it. I mean, they, that, they haven't changed anything, right? It's, it's, it's the, the, the lineup construction hasn't really changed much as far as like David Ross is going to put out what he wants. Uh, the lineup that he thinks is going to give him the best chance to hit going into that game. Um, he doesn't generally talk with us about his lineup decisions, so I can't sit here and say I know exactly why Trey Mancini is in the lineup as often as he is. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a little bit of an indictment when you when you're pinch hitting for him in that situation. I don't. There's no really no other way to, to say that. Yeah, I mean, I, it just seems fair. And I, maybe last question, but has he? A lot of people are like, why doesn't Amaya play? Um, you know more often or anything like that. I feel like they're being careful with his injury history, but I figured I would ask you coming off of a day where he was hot. Um, and it's a small sample, but Kyle Hendricks has better numbers with him than he does with Tucker Barnhart. So it's just curious if there was any kind of logic there. No, no, no chatter. I, I know Kyle himself has talked about working with Barnhart. Like today he said, you know, Barnhart, uh, they were again, worked well together. He likes working with Tucker, not, not as a, and saying that he doesn't like working with anyone else, either of the two catchers, but um, that he likes working with Tucker, that he feels like Tucker calls a really good – I know Kyle calls a lot of his own pitches, but obviously Tucker with the pitch comments stuff is involved in that, and that he said he took a lot of Tucker's suggestions today, um, you know, made pitches when he had to. Ross mentioned that Kyle was kind of working a little harder in those middle innings or his middle innings uh, during the start. But, um, you know, Kyle just – with Tucker, he, he just, he, he, he talks about how, how much he likes working with him, how well Tucker calls a game and does stuff behind the plate for him. Um, I not saying that's like his personal catcher or anything. Uh, but I think that's, that, that, that plays into it. Obviously. I, we'll, we'll see. I'm sure we'll see a lot of, depending where these next two weeks go, I'm sure we'll see a lot more of a mind, but at, just for tonight, I guess uh, Hendricks to Hendricks Barnhart pairing. They like it. Uh, Hendricks works well with him and likes working with Tucker. So that's, I think that just plays into it that way. Sounds yeah. like we're going to maybe see Dansby this weekend, Ryan. That is what David Ross says is the hope. I, I, I don't know what that means. I don't know what, what day that would be. <laughs> I don't, you don't I, speak David Ross yet. <laughs> I don't, I wouldn't say that's a, an expectation at this point, but, uh, the, they are hoping that Dansby Swanson is ready to go this weekend. At some point, we'll see well, he Dave. did. He did say that they're hopeful for tomorrow, right? So I'm going to take that as yes, tomorrow. That don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. 
Yeah, maybe we'll see Mervis and Dansby this weekend. That'd be great. That'd be nice, yeah. And the you guys hit it on the right on the target when it came to the Mancini stuff. I couldn't I didn't even need to say anything. Y'all were right. So um all right. And you guys have anything else? We're about an hour and six minutes in. So we could get to who you got. That's that's it. Ooh, who won that one? Uh Go back and let's, look. At- let's go back. I have it written down. I actually caught up. I caught up on the standings. Say I had a nice game. I know I, I was at least in the running, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, so Ryan had, Ryan had Bellinger, Corey had Suzuki. I took Hap, and Brendan took Master Boney, who um, I know he had two hits and a stolen and base two and then two runs. I think Suzuki, what did Suzuki do? He Didn't scored have- one run but also walked, had two, t- two hits. Okay. Yeah. Technically, Cody Bellinger had more total bases than Sayo. So what's oh, yeah. the rule Bellinger on the pitchers? double, right? Yeah. yeah. No so pitchers, Kevin. We took pitchers? that out. Okay. Yeah, no I pitchers. didn't realize that. All right. <laughs> I was going to say, because I won. We can, we can, yeah, I, you know, we'll give it to Bellinger. That's I don't care. An honorary point. <laughs> Suzuki or Bellinger there. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take it. If you're giving it to me, I'll, I'll take it. Well, if we give it to Ryan, he overtakes the lead. Do we want to do that? Do we really want Stucky to have the lead still? No, not really, because he's still on free. I learned today no. he's actually been on a staycation the entire time. Can't believe it. I thought he's been living it up in like Hawaii or in something. The Bahamas. No, he he po- on Twitter today. Stuck posts like uh you know the Apple like weather app like he's in Arlington Heights and it's eighty three degrees and like everyone if you know you know which I I know but it's like. Oh, you've been in, you've been you've been here the entire time. I thought he's he was... just trying to throw you off the scent, Cody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you know, he's been down in Mexico drinking margaritas or something. At least for part of that. I don't know if Stuck is a margarita guy, <laughs> but if he is, Good man, we got to get some tacos sometime. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. We got to make him a beer bad guy first. I, I'd love to get some tacos and some Mars, but. With Luke Stuckmeyer, that's a dream right there. Uh, looking fun. forward to when he comes back. Um, okay, we can give it to Ryan since uh, Luke's been in first for too long, and maybe because maybe he's watching right now, maybe he'll start sending picks in because that's the reason that he he's been with the same record like the entire time since he's been gone. But um, Barbara Stucky might get arrested in Mexico. He might. He might. <laughs> I love it. Shout out to Barb. Shout out to everyone in the chat tonight. Thanks for all the super chats, the most we've had in, in uh, a while. Uh, appreciate it. We had a good conversation with everyone and just, you know, inserting their thoughts and stuff. And I, one thing that I don't say this enough or we don't say this enough on the show, it's like we don't force people to try and, like, agree with us. You, you're, you can think whatever you want to think. We just like to have good conversations. So, again, thanks for everyone for uh, – being interactive, it makes a show go a lot easier and smoother totally. and more fun. So totally. We are back tomorrow, pre and post from studio. We will be in studio tomorrow. I will be there and other people will be there. And I'll be I'll be with you tomorrow too. Kevin, okay. Mm-hmm. Me, Kevin, and uh maybe Jared. Ryan will be at the park. So I'll be back on go. Friday. You'll be back on Friday? Okay. All right. Cool. Well uh tomorrow. It's Marcus Stroman Day. All we can do is hope that they win so we can just keep prolonging this and maybe, just maybe, they don't sell the entire roster. Okay. Uh, thanks again to everyone for dropping in to the CHO Cubs podcast. 
We'll see you tomorrow. Fly to W. Good night. Have a good day. taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code welcome 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com